Hey, you're listening to John Gregory Vincent here with the Surfacing Inclusive Leadership Podcast. This is leadership I learned the hard way during my 14 years on submarines. After a Gallup gig, working for the best human behavioral organization in the world, I was ready to launch my coaching, advising, and training company, The Submarine Way. So hey, let's cast off all lines because we're getting underway, The Submarine Way. So this week on Surfacing Inclusive Leadership, we're going to be talking about why you need a coach and how it works best. I've been coaching for decades, all right, Um, and I have taken my talents in the areas of coaching and I've raised it to a level of expertise. And what really helped me polish that and really bring it to the highest level was when I was a workplace consultant for the Gallup organization, I was fortunate enough towards the tail end of my time there to become an executive coach uh, and one of the best executive coaches. And I did that by sort of taking what I knew inherently, what I learned along the way, especially in the submarine force, and then applying some core principles. And I'm gonna share them with you. The best practices, if you will, that the very best coaches use, and some things for you to think about when you're looking to select a coach. So we're gonna cover five things. Hopefully I have a laugh or two along the way, but five very important things. First of all, the best coaches, they work through what you're already good at. Let me say that again. The best coaches work through what you're already good at. It's called talent. Whether you're looking at an area where you're very good and you wanna become the very best, or you wanna take an area that you're good in and you wanna apply it to another area where you wanna raise raise the bar there. The best coaches work through talent. Secondly, the coachee needs to be as interested and more interested than the coach, than the organization. If the coachee does not own the experience, you will not have an outcome that is good. So the best coaches, and one of the things I pride myself with, is to take people that really could care less, they were nominated, they really don't want to do it, and turn them into animals that they want the coaching. We're going to talk more about that. Third, do you have a culture of coaching, or do you just sort of say that you can get a coach, all right? Of course, you should hire outside expertise. If you don't have it internally, you should work with someone like the Submarine Way and our, our certified coaches. Um, but it's, it goes beyond that. We're going to talk more about that. Fourth area, how frequently should you do coaching sessions? Should they be done daily? Should they be done weekly? Should they be done quarterly? There is good science, and I have got decades of experience and success to share with you on what the best possible frequency is for successful coaching. And then last, diversity in coaching. Can only a woman effectively coach a woman? Can only a man effectively be a man? And go all the way down the line, a senior person, only another senior person, okay? We're gonna talk about that. So, these are not in order of priority. These are in order that just made sense to sort of talk about. So we're gonna just start with the first one which is the best coaches coach through talent. Now I use the word talent, and you hear me use this word a lot. That's because talent solves all, all things. When you try to just tell people through brute force to get better at something, the, the amount of energy that's gonna be expended is gonna be hugely frustrating. So what I always do when I'm coaching, I'm a huge fan of Clifton Strengths. Uh, I've used it long before I went to work for Gallup. Uh, it used to be called Gallup Strength Finders, now Clifton Strengths. Uh, I use it because it is a superb qualitative tool. Do not work with a coach that does not use a legitimate qualitative tool. If they just use their instincts, if they just use their expertise gained from 25 years of run away, you want something qualitative because a coach's job is not to pontificate 
their wisdom. A coach's job is to guide the person so that person becomes self-sufficient. That person leans into their own talents, their own, you know, and they want to learn more. They want to get better. And they kiss, keep going and going and going. This is successful. This is only going to happen when you approach through what are you good at? How do you get great at that? And how do you take what you're good at and apply it to other areas? This is how you really, really get a coachee excited. And if you are a coachee, this is what's going to give you a lot of what number two is. Which is No, not that number two. Stop that. Get your mind out of the gutter. Number two, which is the coachee needs to own the coaching. Now, the best organizations look at their high potentials. They look at those crucial middle managers in a fast-growing company. By the way, middle managers will make you or break you. You better invest in their professional development and coaching. I work with a ton of middle managers, as do the other coaches in the submarine way, because those folks are your spine. But enough on that. The coachee has to own it. And if they're working through talent, if they're working through, the, through that lens of what they're already good at, that's an exciting place to be. How can I apply this to other things? How do I partner more effectively with other people? How do I tap into their talents? This will help them own their coaching. The best coaches aren't the best coaches because of their brilliance in telling people things. It's their brilliance in getting the coachee to realize the power, the potential, the benefit, and the excitement of working with a great coach and what they can do to then take that and apply it to their life. Then they own it and owning it is critical. Third, culture of coaching. The submarine force has a culture of coaching. When you come down the hatch very, very soon, people are figuring out what you're really good at. You're looking around at, uh, let's say in your role and you're, you're looking at like, who's the best and how do I follow that person around? How do I learn what they're great at? You are coaching and you are being coached continuously. There's no other way to do it. This is how a submarine can take a bunch of 18 to 20 year olds with high school diplomas and operate the most sophisticated vessel ever created in the most hostile environment in the universe safely, right? Never been a nuclear accident on, a, on an American nuclear submarine. 60 plus years and counting, all right? These are, these are high school educated people. Wouldn't let them run a storeroom. Part of the reason that works is they have a culture of coaching. I will tell you a brief story. I was on a submarine and uh, uh, had just reported and um, you know became aware of a young man that was probably not going to deploy with us. Probably was not going to. Uh, we were doing a workup for a six-month deployment. Uh, was probably not going to be in the Navy much longer. He had been in some fights. Uh, he had a quote-unquote bad attitude. Love people with bad attitudes, by the way. Um, was just, you know, generally just not worth keeping around. And I, 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 I take a look at this young man and I'm thinking, you know what? There's a lot of me in him, right? He's, he's, he's got this charisma to him. People sort of are, you know, naturally gather around him. Um, he seems to have a lot of pride in the work that he's doing. He was working topside, you know, painting and scraping. I mean, there, there was a lot to like about him. And yeah, he was kind of a violent guy and he was pretty rude and pretty disrespectful and all of that stuff. Um, but, you know, everybody was just focused on his attitude and focused on those things. And quite frankly, he wasn't really working consistently in a place where people could see what he could possibly contribute to the crew of a submarine. So I had a conversation with him and I said, you know, I, I, I see so much in you. And I pointed out some very specific talents that he had that he didn't really recognize as talents. And I said, you know, and, and, and they're similar to my talents, but there's one huge difference between you and me. 
See, I'm the best there is when it comes to navigation and operating a submarine as a diving officer. You, you're just a punk with a bad attitude. And he got really pissed off. I mean pissed, like, <laughs> like he's gonna beat the poo out of me pissed. But then he got really emotional and he got really, really uh, fogged over, if you will. Um, I, you know, uh, uh, he was very, very emotional and he was silent for a while. Um, coaches, listen in here, here, right? Coach, he needs to speak first when you hit a moment like this. And he said, said to me, I don't wanna be a punk. I wanna be good. I wanna be respected for being good. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I'll go to bat for you. I'll bring you into the division. And um, you gotta do the work. You gotta own this process, all right? I'll give you some advice if you need advice. I'll give you some steering, but we're gonna take your talents and build them into super talents. And then we're gonna use those super talents to work on some other areas like punching people in the nose. That's bad, in case you didn't know. And you know what? He took it to heart and he did do the work and I did help him sort of stay between the boundaries and I did provide advice when necessary, but mostly I reinforced, mostly I reminded him of his talents. Mostly I helped him build those talents. And that young person who probably wouldn't have been in the Navy for another year, wound up going on to become a mid-level petty officer. Think of it, you know, just kind of a you know middle manager type. Then he went to college, got his degree. Then he went on to, to uh, become an officer in the United States Navy. He went on to teach at Annapolis. And that person went on to be a commanding officer of a destroyer in the United States Navy. Now, make no mistake, as his coach, that wasn't me, all right? Coaches that take credit for somebody else becoming a superstar is a lousy coach. What I did was help him focus. What I did was take the talents he already had and bring them to the forefront so that every day he was focused on the talents. That's why we go back to the first thing. You need a qualitative tool. You need a Clifton Strengths. You need a Strengths Insight Guide because that's an ongoing document that people could use for professional development. In the case of this young man, we basically wrote it down. We created one, a template for him to go back and read and go back and read so he could always lean into his talents. That's power. That's a culture of coaching. That's what we help you do. That's what I help people do. And it's exciting as, oh, almost a bad word. I don't even think I can say that on my own podcast. Okay, that's the third one. The fourth one, this is really important. Frequency of really good coaching. Do you do it every other day? Do you do, you do a weekend retreat of coaching? Uh, do you do it quarterly? Okay, I got 20 years of this, and this is the sweet spot where you get the blend of powerful, deep, meaningful conversations. Uh, and at the same time, people have enough time to take that conversation and turn it into application, right? Because you can't just talk about stuff, you gotta do stuff. This goes back. People are more likely to do things when they're doing it with their talents, because people like to do things that they're good at. They're more likely to do it if they own it, right? And they're gonna own it more if they like their talents. And now that's where you get the application. The best coaches help people with conversation and then they help them and they're there when they stumble for application. Three to five weeks, write that down. Great coaches, that's the frequency that they work with. Now, different the coachee, remember, guides this if you want them to own the process. So it might fluctuate a little bit. It might deviate a little bit. And some sessions might be a little longer, a little shorter. Some, some might, you can't always do it in person, but some people are fine with the phone. Other people want Zoom. As much of that that you can give to the coachee, give to the coachee. But don't give them more than that three to five weeks. She needs that. That's the sweet spot. That's where you should be. Okay, three to five weeks 
is the frequency. The fifth one, not because it's number five. Get that out of your head. This one, Deb, Deb Cake Fortin, our founder and our, our president, um, who I think most of you know the backstory if you know anything about our company. Uh, Deb is a very successful executive in Fortune 300 companies, uh, developing people, developing organizations, running very, very large operations. And uh, Deb said, make sure you mention the fact that, you know, women can't just coach women and men just can't coach men and executives can't just coach executives. Diversity in coaching is powerful just like diversity in everything else. I love some of my best work I've ever done are people working in such high tech. Uh, I can think of uh, one group in particular, a company that produced synthetic synthetic, um, uh, basically research material for pharmaceutical companies, right? So that you're not cutting down the rainforest. I couldn't even pronounce the stuff these guys manufactured. But we had a wildly successful coaching with their uh, directors. Why? Because I had a different view of things. I didn't need to know all of that stuff. I didn't need to know the engineering and the sophistication and the processes, right? Diversification is huge. Deb specifically, when she was nominated for, you know, one of the highest potentials in this Fortune 300 uh, women executives and a whole bunch of other Fortune 300 women came from all over the place and they had like a, a three-month gig in, in Atlanta. I think they were flying in twice a month or something. And at uh, the very first session, Deb looked at all the folks that were coming in and all the people that were facilitating, you know, and all the people that were, you know, giving speeches and things like that. Basically all their outside interactions. And Deb asked a very simple question. She said, how come there's not a single man on this list? We're not going to have any interactions with men and they're like, oh, there's a women's executive symposium. And she said, well, it makes no sense. We all know the glass ceiling. We're all, part of this is all about strategizing and talking about how do we really legitimately make opportunities for ourselves and more importantly, for those coming behind us. Well, in order to do that, don't you think it'd be a good idea to talk to some folks that are on the other side of the glass ceiling? Now, there's a crazy idea. You see, diversity comes in a lot of different ways. But in this specific case, if you're looking on how to punch through the glass ceiling, why don't you see who's standing on top of it and talk to them a little bit? What are their biases or what are their views or you know what are, what are some of the things that they don't understand or what are some of the things they do understand that you need to understand? You see, that's very, very important. So what are the five things? Have a coach, you coach through talent, what people are good at, even if you're working on that area to improve an area that's not quite where it needs to be, okay? They have to be using a qualitative tool. I happen to love Clifton Strengths for a simple reason. Most other tools are various forms of Carl Jung's four, um, uh, four archetypes, and, and they're cool, they're fine. Uh, you know, DISC is, disc, disc is fine, uh, Myers-Briggs is fine, uh, but they're too general. You know, you, you, you have a combination of 16, in Clifton Strengths, because of the science and the research, the odds of two people it basically just think of five buckets of talents, right? They're called themes. Uh, and the most simple report is just that's what all I ever use is what's called the top five. Um, that's, that's what I use to coach on. That's all you need to develop expertise in people. You don't have to get more complicated than that. But it's not one in a combination of 16. The odds of two people having the same themes in the same order is somewhere in the magnitude of one in 32 million. That's how unique this qualitative tool is. But if you don't use Clifton Strengths, use another one. Stay away from coaches that just go with their instincts, all right? I don't know what that is. Instincts are great, expertise is great. Coaches that have a huge, great track record, that's all great too, but you still need a qualitative tool. Second thing, the coachee needs to own it. 
You need a coach that can instill excitement, which is gonna be through talent and also through the upside and what the benefits are to them. That is how you build ownership in the coachee. And when a coachee owns it, you're off to the races. They're not gonna own it with lectures. They're not gonna own it with threats. They're not gonna own it if they feel. They're gonna own it when they get excited about the opportunities. I love working with people that have their arms crossed and they're like, whatever, can we just get through this? Those are my favorite folks to start with because very shortly, especially through that qualitative tool, when I start uncovering how they can use this to make themselves better, make their life easier, reduce their level of stress, make them more successful, make them happier at home, you think they own it? Yeah. They do. Third, culture. Culture of coaching. Make sure that you create a culture of coaching. Partner with an expert. The Submarine Ways coaches uh, are experts. Um, all of ours are, are uh, Gallup uh, certified coaches. So again, we love that tool. Uh, but credible, bring them in. But as part of that, you got to work on more than just having absolute expertise to coach your high potentials and your key personnel, you need to create a culture of coaching, okay? And then fourth, frequency. Frequency should be three to five weeks between physical sessions, meaning one-on-one -on -one sessions. And what goes on in between that is critical. That's where people play. That's where people talk to other people being coached, start comparing notes, start comparing things. How can they partner? How can they be more interdependent on each other? That's the beauty of coaching. For every hour of formal coaching, there should be 10, 15, 20 hours of application. I'm not saying they don't do their regular jobs. I say they're applying them through their regular jobs. That's what the best coaches do. And then fifth, and finally, diversity in coaching. Okay, I'm not saying that, that women never coach women, men never coach men, of, co of course, that's silly. What I'm saying is mix it up a little bit, all right? Get people that don't know anything about your industry, don't know anything about your expertise. That helps. Those are the five. This is the Submarine Way. This is Surfacing Inclusive Leadership. I am John Gregory Vincent. We'd love your thoughts. We'd love your ideas on future sessions. Reach out to us. Easiest place to find us is on our website, thesubmarineway.com, or just look us up on LinkedIn. Deb Cake Fortin is our president. And of course, I'm John Gregory Vincent. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And send your ideas for future or get in touch with us if you have specific questions about this or any other episode. Appreciate your time. Have a great, great day.